Not everything metal was created equal. What an ugly thing to say. The Metal Sucks Podcast. Chickity Chuck and Godless attempt to bring order to chaos or just make stupid jokes about dumb people. Stupid. A person below normal intelligence. This is the Metal Sucks Podcast. Greetings and salutations, my fine metal friends. Welcome to another edition of Metal Sucks Podcast. How are you doing? I'm Chuck. I'm Godless. And this is your weekly examination of all things metal, the Metal Sucks Podcast, brought to you, of course, right here by MetalSucks.net every Monday. You can find us on iTunes. Make sure you're subscribed, leave five stars, and tell us that we suck. Or, you know, maybe something nice, too, would be be, be cool, too. You can also find us on Stitcher and uh, all kinds of other podcasting apps like I don't know what other ones there are. So you might want to check those out. And, of course, every Monday right here on MetalSucks.net, you can find us. This week, we have got uh, a pretty jam-packed episode, as always. Last I, week was pretty wicked awesome. I promised this week was going to be huge. It's going to be huge. And we're throwing things together, and it's feeling huge. <laughs> it, always, it always feels huge in my pants. I am committed... To each week of this show being just a little bit better than the last one. Okay. Well, I see. Yeah, that's, a, that's a good goal to have. It's yeah. actually a very good goal to have in your mind. I, th- I like that. This week, Richie Faulkner. He is the brand new guitar player for Judas Priest. Well, brand new. I say he's been there for like, what, four years, three years, four years, something like that. So, yeah, we're going to be talking to him as part of Judas Priest. They're coming up. They're playing here in our hometown of Austin, Texas for Fun, Fun, Fun Fest coming up here very soon. And they're on tour with Steel Panther. Can I say? <laughs> that's weird. We asked some questions. That I can promise you, you have never heard Richie Faulkner answer before. And he still didn't answer them. It's pretty cool. <laughs> no, actually, he, he, this, he did, there's he some fun great. stuff in this one. Yeah. yeah, he was actually pretty fun. So we got him. Uh, what else we got? We're going to take a few speak pipe calls. We're going to take some of your calls. Please call us. Leave messages yeah, on speak On every pipe. post, there's a speak pipe link that you can leave them, and you can uh, leave them there. And uh, it, I always know it's a good one when... We listen to it, and we do a segment that's not even hot. Like, the mics aren't even on. Yeah. yeah. So, so we, we actually did a segment on one of these calls, and we're like, yeah, but we, maybe we should record that. And I got to say, there's a couple of people who've left a handful of calls, and we still haven't gotten to Don't one worry, of Ty. them. Don't worry, Ty. Don't worry, Ty. We'll get to you, man. Yeah, keep them coming, because some of them, like, they've seeped Very into topical. The, yeah, they've gone back in the time. So totally. You, come on, hook us up with, you know. Yeah, it's just been stuff that we talk about, and we maybe just passed it, or yeah, it's, it's yeah. but yeah, keep leaving a manual catch up. So, <laughs> so <laughs> I, I can't, it's Ty. Ty's always doing it. Well, he's one, yeah, yeah it's of, been of, cool. of, of many. Yeah, uh, but uh, but yeah, it's actually a pretty cool thing, so you can interact with us. And uh, you know, I've been telling people for ages, you know. Pimp your band or whatever when you you know ask all, tell us we, who you are and yeah, all that stuff. We got where you're one from, of those you know. So, so yeah, that that goodness, man. But first, starting off the show, we got to start it on a sad note because uh, this week we you know last week we did our house core horror fest episode where we did all the bands that we had uh, that we interviewed during uh, house core horror fest and it was an awesome weekend. I mean, it only got better on Sunday because we record on Sundays. Oh, yeah. And it was such a great weekend. So many great bands, Ken great Mode. movies. I mean, Ken did Mode you see was. Ken Mode? I did see Ken Mode. Oh and they my were awesome. god, they were awesome! And the one thing about about Ken Mode that I think of the most is is that's the band 
that Corey had told me that I had to see. Like I knew about him, you know, I'd seen, he's like, but like right out of the bat when he came in and did the show here at the radio station with me, uh, he, he's like, man, you got to check out kid mode. That yep. was the band that he was the most excited to see out of all of them. Man. I've loved their recordings. I saw them when we saw mm-hmm. when we interviewed them the night yeah. we interviewed them. I thought they were awesome, but there was something really special yeah, going they're, on. They're ripping Corps. it up, man. And, oh. but what happened was, was that the Monday after house core, uh, the, the co-founder Corey Mitchell, and also contributor to metal sucks.net. He passed away of a heart attack, uh, in the wee hours of uh, Monday after the festival had ended. And it is just a sad, tragic, terrible thing you've known him for a long time i've known him for quite some while he's been a he's been a friend of mine we i was in the the impetus the early meetings of the house core horror fest like i was kind of in on some of the planning and i've been hearing about it for years because he's been telling me about it for years before it even started about how phil was even involved yeah before he i mean it's something he's wanted to do for such a long time and it's uh, it, it was an amazing thing that he pulled off and was able to make it actually happen. And it's incredible for two years being able to do that. But, you know, it's, it's just a terrible tragedy that we lost the guy, man. It really is. And I thought Axel was, was fucking with me <laughs> when yeah. I saw that on Monday morning uh, on Facebook. And I was like, holy shit. It was the first thing I did was hit him back when I saw that post. And I was like, I couldn't believe it. I yeah, was like, you got to be kidding me. I was on stage with him Sunday night. Yeah. Hours before. Trading shots. Yeah on stage with them and i just and i couldn't believe it man i was just unbelievable yeah. broken hearted and, and i oh, yeah. Corey, not only founder of house core horror festival also contributor to metal sucks contributed to a lot of different blogs online yeah bloody and disgusting also, and yeah. he's a true crime writer who's got best-selling true crime novels and he's got and a stuff. new one coming new out one real soon coming. you know and i know that he was in the process of working with phil on selmo on his autobiography that was yeah. supposed to come out in early 2015 that was delayed a little bit but I mean, it's a it's a sad deal. He left behind his his wife and two daughters, and uh, and yeah, it's it's I I'm terrible at trying to eulogize somebody. I really am. You just like, did a great job, though. But I mean, yeah, it's he's going to be missed, especially in the in the metal community. I mean, the the outpouring has been just incredible. You know, of course, on Facebook, and I'm sure there's going to be more. I know Bruce Corbett from Rigor Mortis is like trying to organize like all the comments and other stuff that people have been leaving for them and like trying to put all that together so that it can be made into something you yeah. know and also trying to do like a some kind of foundation or something so that people can donate money to help his kids out and that stuff so maybe bruce will organize some sort of like uh you know fundraiser concert that'll be awesome i'm sure there'll be like that be something man well here in in, in the central texas community Corey's one of the most important guys in yeah. the metal thing. And, and fortunately being involved with, with our involvement with metal sucks. It was like, there was another place where our constellation, you know, crossed which totally is indeed. really cool, but he will be missed and uh, rest in peace. Mr. Corey Mitchell. Yeah. All right. We so, dedicate this episode to you, yes. man. All right. I, Which I, is a little bit better than last week's episode. <laughs> <laughs> and last week's episode to, to, to you too as well. Yeah, totally uh, we did. Yeah, right. I don't know. I don't know how to get out of it, so I'm not like trying to segue and do all that. So I can't figure this one out. I just got to leave that one behind us. We got to move on because yeah. otherwise I'm going to start crying, and that's not very metal. Yeah. All right. Oh, but okay. dude, it would be great radio it's, it's barbara walters of metals what I we know, are right? but usually we're supposed to get somebody else to i know cry, not, not, not you, me but, crying but i'll take it okay <laughs> it's enough for you we couldn't get richie faulkner to cry so yeah. i gotta do this you know who's crying right now though 
Ha! See, there's uh-huh. a ham-handed oh, there segue. You Thank you. Boom. <laughs> All right. You the, saw it. You clutched it. Uh, yes. <laughs> All right. What's that dude's name uh, from Misfortune? The, uh, the, Mikey Sawyer. Uh, and dude. Um, All right. Allegedly. Allegedly, because you know. Can we just say allegedly once, and then that applies for the next like I, I think few so. minutes? Because he's been arrested. Okay. For uh, what it was a domestic violence, domestic violence, uh, assault and domestic violence or whatever. Mm-hmm. So he got arrested. His band's uh, misfortune, misfortune, right? Yeah. And they were on Sumerian Records, and the Sumerian Records head Ash Advilson. I, I can never remember where the D is in his name, uh, <laughs> but Ash uh, dropped them from Sumerian Records like maybe twenty seconds after he got arrested. Yeah, I mean it was pretty pretty close by after and it's a it's an interesting case to me because it, it's i think about all the bands that have been arrested on one level or another some for drugs some for violence uh, some for other things and this is the first time i've noticed that that a label just immediately dropped the band and didn't give the band like a chance to go hey we're kicking him out and we're done and that's a he he can move on and we don't support missing violence or anything like that because obviously Something that is uh, of this nature is, it sucks. It's terrible. It's something that's shocking. And people do, you know, domestic violence is a terrible thing and something that, that nobody should be able to put up with, you know, unless you're the NFL. So, I mean, it's. <laughs> but it's like, it comes right in the wake of everything that went down with the NFL. Now, yeah, exactly. You know, I don't know if you've noticed, but nobody who pays attention to the NFL has said the words domestic violence for, I think, two weeks now. Like nobody anywhere. Not yet. But, you know, it's common. Well, it's about to change because all the Halloween, all the Ray Rice Halloween costumes are coming out. Well, so. I think as soon as people realize that their team is out of the playoffs, that's <laughs> when they'll start talking about the, the other stuff. The stuff that matters, uh, yeah, you know? Because yeah. right now they're distracted. Yeah. Well, and it's breast cancer month or whatever so yeah it's the it's the end of it so (laughs) we gotta gotta wear pink but but i guess you know it it was uh, two things that are interesting to me right first that sumerian didn't waste a second yeah they jumped on it like pretty fast which i don't know if that's necessarily the right thing to do because as we've said before these are allegations true not you know but an arrest usually signifies that they've got some kind of evidence to to the fact that he may be may or may not be guilty. You know what I'm saying? Like that usually implies that something happened. I think about all the other cases where we've seen somebody get arrested, i.e. King A ten, mm-hmm. uh, knock mystium, you know, where these things and labels did not just go later, you know, right. screw off and you're done. Now that may be a, a an act of what they have in their contract, or you know, what if there's a an escape clause for the label as far as if they get arrested or what the what those means are and as far as that's concerned hope so hope is very powerful and i think that roadrunner probably had a lot of hope that king a10 were going to sell a lot of records i okay. mean that's all that that's about first of all second of all you know you you get a band like king a10 you kind of know what you're getting into well, and you, you're f- and the fans will know what they're getting into. You want them to do that kind you of want stuff them to do that because stuff. it's part of the image, right? Misfortune, on the other hand, they're sort of the pansy rocker metal type. They're, young suppo- guys. they're supposed to pander to the girls. They're yeah. supposed to pander. They're, 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 then the last audience you want to turn off is is the women. Exactly, you know, the rules are different. Mm. And and mm. I think that 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 that's part of it. But I think also you know Misfortune already had an album out, and if they had sold a boatload, I promise you, I don't care. Somebody would have come to their defense. Well, if not that, then the label would have been like, 
Well, hold on a second. Let's take a moment here and think about this. Mm. But they didn't do it. So yeah. that tells me that Sumerian probably lost their ass on the last record. Well, or just it, it wasn't significant. Like, there, there was nothing. They didn't have hope for yeah. the band. That's for sure. Hope. Yeah, no mm. hope that they're going to sell records. Okay. But, I, you know, there's been this really weird mix of messages from the band so far, right? Because uh, the band, their official statement is, uh, we'd like to point out that we do not condone domestic abuse. The actions of one person do not in any way represent the members of this band. Okay, that statement says okay. to me that, okay, there were actions made by one member of the band, and they might have something to do with domestic abuse, because yes. they don't condone it, right? That's the that's a all right. So then, Mikey, the uh, singer, he tweets, "I definitely did not hit a woman. The altercation I was in was man on man, and I acted in self defense." Statement soon. Interesting. So, it, it, to me, that goes all right. Either he didn't tell the other guys what he hadn't talked to them. Maybe he hadn't. Hmm. But it sounds like the band is like, yeah, he probably did it, uh, but we well, don't have nothing okay, to do with it. But but if it's okay, so that's an interesting, uh, that's an interesting twist. Like I hadn't read that last statement by him actually. Uh, I was saving that, to spring it on uh, about the man on man <laughs> thing, you know. Which, well, no, 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 no. I mean, and, and uh, not even talking about a relationship thing, right? Because you can get in a domestic violence situation with a roommate. That's true. You know, if, if you both live in the same premises and there is violence between the two of you as there a roommate, you, you can actually. Oh. Uh, that that can cause something or i mean I also gay relationship or anything like that yeah. i mean there are other instances where something like that can take place so i mean it doesn't have to be it, it, domestic violence basically means that it happens between people who live together i believe if i if i'm thinking yeah, correctly think how so. that works that makes sense but the connotations of domestic violence and abuse are a guy beating the shit out of a girl is right. what the connotation like, like that's what you conjure in your head right and that right. may not be the fact that that's may right not be the facts of the case and maybe sumerian acted a little quick because maybe like the roommate was stealing his steakums and he's <laughs> like what the hell dude you're going down you know you don't know i mean what, what the details him, are you know yeah. yeah i don't know man but i mean i think the broader question is is that is it is it right for labels to to jump on something like that as a part of a judgment and, and to do that, or should they be there to back you up? You know, having interaction with Randy Blythe this weekend at house core horror fest kind of show, you know, reminds you, it's like, Oh, by the way, Roadrunner stood by this guy when they thought he might've killed somebody. That's right. You know, and they don't know for sure how this is all going to play out, but his label, their label st stood by him yeah. and, and helped them out. Well, a lot of album sales involved. Well, that too. But <laughs> I mean, if you're boiling it down to sales, well, I'm, I think it's down to a matter of principle. It's though. business, though. If you're a record label, you're a yeah, business. But I think it's also a PR thing too. I think I I think that PR good PR is good for business. Well, it is. But what I'm saying is, is that there's that domestic violence thing that comes up, pops in your head, connotation ban on this label becomes domestic violence representative of beating the crap out of people. Blah blah blah. Mm -hmm. They don't want to be that label. That's right. You know that. The, so they need to distance themselves from that as fast as they can but if that's not entirely like all the i don't know it's it's weird it seems like strange for a label to just jump into that both feet and and you made a connection that i hadn't made which one the upon a birding body <laughs> connection well i was just like all i could think of was like so the label with the upright and moral standing that killed off their lead singer and lied to everybody for how long <laughs> oh wait but it wasn't the label he was actually it was just a joke he wasn't really missing that was right. something that was just taken out of context and i mean you know whatever
Right. So, yeah, well, I don't want to read too much into that. Either. I mean, I, I think God that, forbid. I mean, the, the moral uh, uh, crime it, with domestic violence, even if it's man on man, is a very different measure than, uh, on Agreed. a different spot on the, than, than just pulling a prank. Yeah. I mean, and also, I've been in a, I've been in a domestic violence situation. I've is that been, right? Actually. Am I going to get you to cry again? Like, personally, I might. <laughs> <laughs> I might, but I come from a household that actually had experienced a lot of domestic violence as a child. And also I experienced that as an adult as well from, mm. from, cause I grew up with a single mother and who I had seen taking a lot of abuse, but I also grew up respecting women because of that, because of that, you know, right. it's like, I, you don't hit a woman. You just don't do that. So when a woman is hitting you, you don't hit back. Right. You know, it's, it's, you don't, and so you just kind of take it. Yeah, turtle. And it's the, it's, it's just kind of what you do, right? So, I, I mean, there was one time when I hit back and I felt so bad about it because I felt like I was like so way overstepping my bounds and it wasn't like a punch. You know, I was getting slapped I was getting the shit slapped out of me and I slapped her back. Mm. But that's, but that's the only time. And I felt so terrible about it. Because of the stuff like that. So, I mean, you, I, the way you describe that, I picture it being in black and white and you're wearing a suit and, you know, like, <laughs> like, like cocktail Mad, glasses Mad or something, you know, yeah, yeah. like, yeah, yeah, no, it wasn't quite. So it was, uh, it was, there were some cocktails had <laughs> yeah. at least by her and it led to her beating the shit out of me kind of thing. Am I allowed know? to laugh but, when we're talking about domestic <laughs> See, but that's the thing is like, you don't know where the line is. Right. But I and think, I mean, and I think that's something that Sumerian has got to, they're, they, they want to step away from that line yeah. and and make sure that they've distanced themselves from that. And I can understand that. I think that they, they made a, perhaps a rash decision, but at least they made a very conservatively rash decision or conservative rash decision. It was like, you know, they could have like immediately come out with, we don't believe that this happened. And, uh, oh, yeah. and that woman yeah, 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 is terrible. Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah, you know, yeah. they could have done that, but they didn't. They yeah. instead went with, Hey, well, look, we just don't want nothing to do with yeah. this. Or yeah. you, or anything else. Yeah. Walk away. Yeah. Walk away. Yeah. Just, and just, by the way, you still owe us $7 we'll per disc on the last tour. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? That's... We're going to ship these to you. Make sure you have a check ready. <laughs> yeah, that's right. COD. COD. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Awesome. All right. We got to get into the rest of the show, man. That's a, One of our callers left a great message. Of course, uh, Howard. We're going to talk about that in the second <laughs> half of the show. Uh, but we need to get into our interview with Richie Faulkner of Judas Priest. He is the new quote-unquote new when you talk about 40 years worth of Judas Priest. Uh, he Get this. We didn't talk about it in the interview so much, but he was born when British Steel came out. He was born in 1980, the year that British Steel came out. Now, put that, put that in your pipe and smoke it for a second <laughs> and see how that comes up. Richie Faulkner on the Metal Sucks Podcast. How's it going, man? It's uh, Chuck and Godless from the uh, Metal Sucks Podcast. Hey, Richie, how's, how's it going? Very well, man. It's good to be here, guys. You know, we've got a show tonight in uh, in Georgia, and we're touring the U.S., and we couldn't be happier, so it's a pleasure to be here. Where are you playing in uh, Georgia tonight? That's right, Duluth, Georgia. I've never been here before, but it's nice and warm. We've just been over in some cooler climates, so we're, in, we're over here now. It's nice and warm. It's going to get warmer. We're going down into Florida tomorrow, and uh, I like the sun. You know, being a Brit, we don't get much of it, so... Uh, Bring it on. Well, yeah, but, and I guess being as a Brit, you don't mind the food there either because, you know, anything's better than the British food, right? Well, oh, yeah, I've got to be careful how I answer that. I actually like a steak and kidney pie and some fish and chips and a roast <laughs> dinner. But, uh, you know, 
we're pretty limited on options over here. I think we've we've got a few things around us, but yeah, I, I know what you're saying. Have you yeah. ever put ketchup on your Yorkshire pudding? Of course. Oh, good, good. It's I was worried. I was worried I might I be the from. only one. Dude, it's a delicacy where I come from. You know, tomato ketchup on everything. On yeah. Sandwiches, <laughs> on puddings. You know, put it in your tea, cup of tea, ketchup in it. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Hey, it's it's great to talk to you, man. Because um, I mean, you've got you've got the gig of a lifetime right now. It absolutely is. I mean, it just it just keeps going from strength to strength. I mean, from the beginning, uh, you know, we we played the lives in the live scenario. We done the epitaph tour, and that kind of evolved into a record. Uh, you know, eighteen new studio tracks, which I helped write, and then another tour after that. So it's just evolving, and it's just great to be a part of. As I said from day one, man. So well, when 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 you guys were writing, I mean, do you? I can imagine. Did they look at you a little funny when you said, hey, I got some ideas for the new album? Do you know what? I get this question quite a lot. And to me, it's weird because obviously I've been in the situation. But to everyone on the outside, I guess you would imagine that. Because a band of that stature after 40 years, you can imagine it being a bit like that. You know, a bit of a closed door. And this is our tried and tested formula. And this is how it's going to work. But I tell you what, guys, it was the opposite. It was, what do you think? What opinions do you have? And it's not just me. It's everyone in the band. You know, that... That mentality permeates between the five guys, and I think everyone's opinion is valued and asked for, uh, and whether it's taken or acted upon is irrelevant, really. You know that your opinion is valued and, and asked, as I said, asked for, and it's a great mentality to have. So from day one, what do I think? Have I got any ideas for set list? And I think when a new person comes into a situation like that, the dynamic is slightly changed, and that's just natural. But also that person is going to have different ideas from the outside that you might not have on the inside. So it's a great testament to those guys to be open-minded, to listen, to ask questions for the strength of the brand, if that makes any sense. you know. And they've always been like that right up until now. Do you feel like they were needing some, some new blood, like they, they welcomed that sort of change? I don't, I don't know. It's, again, it's hard to tell without being in the situation beforehand. You know, there's no way of knowing. But all I know is since I've joined the band, it's been an, an incredibly positive situation for me uh, personally. And as I said, uh, I mean, the, the band were, you know, there was talk of retirement and stuff before I joined. And then uh, I think we've all been energized, obviously me joining the band, but we've all been energized in a way by the Epitaph tour. Then in turn, going into the studio and writing another studio record, it energizes you again and now we are back, here we are back out on tour again. So, uh, I mean, I can't comment on what happened before, but I do know that we're all loving it out here. We're having a great time on the road, and it's great to be bringing new songs out to the metal masses and songs that I've had a hand in as well personally. It's got to be a, a challenge, too, when you... You know, you got guys who have been doing this for a while, so when you bring a new idea in, uh, you've got to balance that, I would expect, to a certain point, because they're going to kind of maybe go, uh, yeah, no, we, we, we do what we've always done. You know, it's, or do you go in going, hey, I got this idea, why don't we whisper and then record it backwards and put it on that on the record, you know? Yeah, that's a good question. I think, you know, again, a testament to those guys, they are open-minded. I wasn't trying to reinvent the wheel when I came in with ideas, you know. Um, I'm a Priest fan, I'm a heavy metal fan, I'm a guitar fan. And I grew up on bands like Priest, you know, and so you kind of digest that kind of musical information when you're growing up and you're trying to write your own songs in school and whatever. So when you get into a studio situation, of course, there's, you know, you've got to, you, you don't want to take over the show. You don't want to walk in there and say, right, this is what I've got, you know, and this is what we're doing. It, it's a, you've got to be respectful of the fact that they've been doing this for 40 years and they are the masters and they're where they are because of what they do. Um, but at the same time, 
if they ask for any opinions that you have, you've got to be respectful to yourself as well and put those opinions forward. Now, they might not always be listened to, as I said, but these guys are, you know, I was coming from the same musical background. We were on the same page musically. Again, we just digested 40 years of the band's back catalogue on the Epitaph Tour. You know, so that kind of seeped into all of us. Plus, we built relationships on the Epitaph Tour. We, you know, we kind of built like a band of brothers. And I think that was essential, looking back on it, when we go into the studio, you can put ideas forward. You know where the boundaries are. You know how not to overstep your mark. And again, that goes for everyone. You don't, no one wants to take over everyone's moment or if someone's got an idea, no one wants to crush it. You give it all, and that was a, an education as well. You give everyone a chance. You listen to everyone's ideas. And again, I think that can only benefit the whole. And uh, that was a great lesson to learn from those guys. Now, as far as... We talk about musically, but uh, there, there's a pretty there's a pretty big generation gap there too. How do you uh, fit in with everybody personally? Is every like personality wise wor- working out all right with you guys? It's all great, man. I mean, you're right. I mean, I think there's a I think a 30 year difference, you know, give or take between some of us. But uh, we all, we all come from the same country. We all like the same things. It's the same social makeup. And although there's that kind of gap in years, we all get on. We all like the same sort of stuff. Um, you know, some of some of us differ in certain areas, but fundamentally, we're all fans of Priest. We're fans of music. We're fans of you know, me and Glenn might go out fishing, or me and Rob might listen to the new Queen uh, cuts or whatever. So we all share um, familiar things, you know, and like anyone. And we we built those relationships up on the Epitaph tour, um, and we went from there really. So it's not really a big divide. Have you dated any of the daughters of any current or former <laughs> Judas Priest members? <laughs> I'm not going to tell you just in case they're listening. <laughs> no, not really, no. Again, I mean, all the all the families and wives and girlfriends and stuff—they've all got boyfriends. They're they're all great people, and it's, as I said, it's like an extended family. Priest is a family, and everyone on the periphery is that is like a family. So, you know, Ian's son Alex is in a band, and his daughter—I think his daughter's got a boyfriend or whatever. You know, but so you you know what I mean? You don't really uh, cross that sort of boundary, but. Um, no, as, was as I that, said, if I did, I wouldn't tell you. Is that, an, <laughs> is that an unwritten rule, or was that part of the negotiation before you go in? Oh, it's definitely part of the contract. No sleeping with anyone's daughters. <laughs> 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 it's just what, that's what you do even outside of a band, you know what I mean? And again, I said before that we all get on, and it's kind of second nature. That's what me and you would do. If me and you were hanging out, I wouldn't go and sleep with your daughter. It's just it's well, kind of like an unwritten rule, you know? See, I can tell that you are an excellent-looking dude, because, you know, when you look like guys like us, you know, it's sort of like, yeah, you know, hey, we get it wherever we can get it, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, he's but, also yeah. the guitar player for Judas Priest, so I he has know. a one-up well, on us, well, too. Well, that's a question, too. Like, I mean, you know, like, you see the old Judas Priest, like, heavy metal parking lot and, you know, all these great, you know, movies and documentaries. And, you know, for their day, there's lots of good-looking girls and guys that you know they're getting they're getting backstage and you know the guys in priest have got some stories on them right but i would imagine that what gets backstage nowadays might be a little more challenging for someone in your demographic no that's a very good question i'm not quite sure how to answer it without giving too much away i mean we i think back in the day it was excess you know there there was there was a double-edged sword with that as well there were lots of people coming backstage everyone was you know, sleeping with everyone, and there was a downside to that as well as, you know, we lost a few people out of it, you know what I mean, like Freddie Mercury and the consequences of all that sort of stuff. So I think people wised up to it. 
it's not that glamorous backstage anymore. I think people have learned lessons, not just in, in Priest, but in the music gen- business in general. Uh, you know, you've got to look after yourself. You can't really go too nuts with all the, the excess of the early 80s, so to speak. But, you know, it is a breeding ground for that. And, I mean, I'm a committed guy, and I've got a girlfriend and whatever. But, you know, there are, I mean, why do you think we've got a steel panther out with us? I mean, you know, <laughs> I'll rest my case. You know, that's, you know, exactly. That's where all the women are. You know, they're not in the priest camp. But, uh, you know, we still have fun out on the road. We still go out and have a, a good time. But, we, you know, we just, we're respectful of preserving the performance and if you go out getting blasted every night and sleeping with people and losing your mind we you can't deliver a thousand percent and that's what it's about so you've got to balance that do you worry about that i mean about being able to deliver that or do you are you totally confident about that kind of stuff i think we're pretty confident i mean personally uh you've just got to know where the line is and to know where the line is you've got to push the line you know what i mean until you get to a point where you do feel oh, you know i pushed it a bit hard there so you don't do it again you've got to find where your limits are uh, and then go with that you know we've got to balance sleep we've got to balance you know a bit of partying and we've got to deliver a thousand percent every night but we're we're pretty confident that the show's great we're playing really well and um you just got to limit that you know party in excess to some degree well yeah because i mean i think there's some sort of expectation as far as that's concerned because everybody's like oh backstage it's got to be a big, a have big party richie, and it's have gonna you seen be richie's this- abs <laughs> he's got like the most crazy ab- what kind are you doing like leg raises What's your, what's your, uh, is it just a low-fat diet? Do you count your carbs? Do you know how, how boring does that sound, really? I mean, you know, <laughs> I wish I could say, no, we don't do any of that. We do this and we do that and we do, no, we all watch our weight. You know, we drink, like, uh, protein shakes and, you know, we, we do watch our weight and eat lots of fish and greens and stuff, you know what I mean? But uh, that's what you've got to do. You, you know, everyone's got their limits, as I said, and, uh, you know, we, there's no kind of pre-stage ritual, if you want, but... um. We just kind of stay on top of it again, stay energized physically just to deliver. And if, you know, and we've got to fit into those leathers as well. So, <laughs> well, if you're in there and you, you know, you start eating a few too many steaks, you're going to be popping all out of them, you know. So, we just try and limit that. Yeah. Did you have any ethical problems with wearing leather before you joined Judas Priest? Not at all. No. I mean, uh, you know, part, the leather and studs image is part of the metal. Um, ethos and part of the imagery of it all and i was very much a part of that you know so no problem at all and i mean it does get a bit hot up there i'll tell you that so i've got a bit of an issue with that but we haven't got any flames on this tour so that's cooled it down a little bit but as i said they're they're tight fitting and that's the way it should be so again a few too many uh creme brulees and you're popping out (laughs) yeah i guess i guess if i were to do it i mean i'm not like a like a PETA member or anything like that but i'd probably go with used you know, there, there are some secrets in the band, and we, we've had some um, some objections from Greenpeace and Peter and that before. But uh, you know, it's it's not as bad as you think it would be. No, no animals are harmed in uh, in the Judas Priest uh, wardrobe, shall we say? Oh, so you, are you guys wearing fake leather? I wouldn't say that, but um, we are skinned people instead. Oh, there you go. <laughs> we use human skin, so uh, that, that's basically what it is. Channing the hides of the innocent. <laughs> well, you've got to take it a step. You know, it's all about, as I said, we've got to get the excess from somewhere. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll bet you that there are bands. Well, all right, so I was going to say there's bands out there that would donate flesh to Judas Priest. That's probably true. Yeah, uh, absolutely. But, all right, so as a, as a it's got to be like just some, the most unique experience to be a fan and then living the dream inside the band. But 
you know, it, it kind of reminds me of like that time when like, oh, I figured out that song that I really loved and it turned out that it was only C, G, and D minor. And then I was like, well, where's the magic? I thought there was more to it. That's all there is. You know what I mean? Is that is there something similar when you step into being in the role of one of the greatest bands in the history of music? Um, there are little parts like that. I guess when you see the magic behind the screen, uh, it takes away a little bit of magic. But then you, you realize that that is where the real magic happens, if you know what I mean in terms of a, a song being three chords and I, it's, it's easy to play but that's the magic you can, you can come up with something that looks so easy and is so easy but it captures the hearts of millions you know what I mean and I think you know in terms of the crew and the production we have if you watch it from the front that's one sort of magic if you look at it from backstage and all that comes together all that manpower all that you know machinery and technology and the music and the guys playing it and the lights and that comes together there's no less magic for that you know what i mean you know the inner workings of it but it's no less amazing to me and uh every night you know it comes together and you've got 30 40 people putting that show together it's not just us on stage there's a lot that goes on and uh we put it together and people walk out of there with that look on their faces and you know that you've captured that magic and that essence of a Judas Priest show and that to me doesn't get any more magical. As you're going through the catalog and you're you're learning anything, do you stumble across anything where you're like, oh, hey, why would they choose that? And, you know, just it, it, where it just sort of hung you up for a second, you know what I mean? Not really. I mean, we're, we're all involved in the set list um, uh, choice. But I mean, um, I, I guess I mean like as you're learning like, you know, that that tune off of you know track three off that album from 1981 you know that sort of thing you, you go ah why that it shouldn't have gone to a, a, a seventh or it shouldn't have gone to the fourth it should have done this you know that sort of thing well i tell you when i when i first joined the band i went up to glenn's and we were working over some um lead guitar parts you know so who plays what and exactly what goes on and we were playing victim of changes and glenn hadn't played it for a while and he was playing it wrong and i was sitting there and I was thinking, I know he's playing it wrong. Is this a test? If I say you're playing it wrong, is that what he wants me to say? If I don't say anything, I'm a yes man. You know what I mean? Yeah. So mm -hmm. it was a careful balance of, I know that's wrong, but I have to say something. And I did say something, and he laughed about it, and he, he said it afterwards as well. He hadn't played it for so long that he forgot about it. So I'm lucky I did say it, but... If I hadn't have said anything, it, it could have been seen as a bit of a yes man. So, uh, so there was that kind of going over it, not really f for me, but just as a, as a couple, you know, as a pair of guitar players, uh, there was an interesting dynamic going on there as a fan. And uh, but we, we laugh about it now. Sometimes we both slip up on a few places, and we laugh about it. And it's, it's rock and roll, really. Well, and that kind of comes back to what I was talking about with confidence, though. I mean, to to be sitting there in front of Glenn, going, "By the way, you're doing it wrong. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you're not making he, me a victim yeah. of your changes." <laughs> but, but that's that, <laughs> that's a lot of balls, man. You've got it's a careful balance, man. Let me tell you, when you're sitting there in that moment, you you know you have to say something, but you don't want to because you don't want to, you know, you don't want to criticize the guy. Yeah, you don't offend him or anything, right? That's right. Yeah, but I mean, I think it was pretty instantaneous. We knew that we were going to get along, and when we first started those initial moments of you know working together and with the guitars, it, it was just an easy atmosphere. We, we were sitting there with a cup of tea and a cup of coffee with a bit of rum in it or something. You know, it was a, it was a relaxed atmosphere, so it permeates you know that kind of atmosphere where you feel like you can put your ideas or your or your opinions forward. So, and as I said, that permeated right up until present day through the studio uh, environment as well. Yeah, I was gonna say it shows a lot of respect for you as well to be able to go not not go get the get the hell out of here. <laughs> it's a great lesson for me to learn as well. I said it earlier on, but just to have that kind of 
that openness. I think that's what a band's about. And I think they're an old school band in in the sense that if you're in the band, you're in the band. You know, there's no sort of limits or things that you can't do. And I think that's where they've come from, you know, in the, in the late 60s, early 70s. And that mentality is, is held up to this day. And if you're in there and you've got an opinion, put it forward as, as much as they would expect to put their opinions forward. And uh, it's, it's a testament to them. So when you're pushing, you know, as you get more confident as as uh, as a member of the band, I imagine that, you know, you come to them with, hey, you know, I came up with this one. It's not very Judas Priest, but I think, you know, you start like, you know, bringing your own voice in. Have you tried that yet? And what was the reaction? It's funny. There was a, a couple of tracks on the new record that uh, I didn't necessarily think were Judas Priest. And, but you put the ideas on on the table uh, and and if it's a good song and it makes sense, we'll go with it. So, yeah, there were a couple of those moments. Um, I can't remember exactly what they were, but, you know, one, once some things you can put on the table and you think are okay, um, good enough to submit, but not mind-blowing. And then these guys, again, with that foresight of a great riff becoming a great song, they can pick up on something that's four seconds long and before you know it, you've got March of the Damned or, you know, Halls of Ohalla, just from like a spark of inspiration that you thought was good, but not mind-blowing. But then it, it becomes a different monster when you've got those creative minds on it. Um, there's bluesy elements on the record, which, you know, it didn't fit in with anything off Nostradamus or, or Painkiller or anything like that. But blues and the progressive blues is where Priest came from. So there's a couple of ideas like that that went on the table and it made sense in the heritage of Priest music and it sounded great, so we went with it. So again, that mindset of being open to all ideas was uh, was prevalent in the whole session. Do you ever feel like you're in the shadow of KK? Like, is it is it tough for you to, to especially when you're playing the older material on stage, is it, I, I mean, you obviously I've read plenty of interviews with you and, and I mean, you're always very respectful of KK Downing, of course. And, but I mean, is it, is that difficult to live in that shadow? I think it's a huge honor, to be honest. I mean, there's, a, there's challenges everywhere in life and that's one, it's a great one to have, you know, and I see it as a responsibility um, to uphold his legacy while, being respectful to myself as a guitar player and that's really the way i look at it you know i'm not going to clone anyone i mean i might have blonde hair and a flying v but you know i think if i'd have dyed my hair black people would have had questions about me doing that as well but you know what i mean so i've just got to be respectful to who i am i'm a huge Schenker fan he had blonde hair and a flying v you know what i mean all that sort of stuff huge kk and glenn fan but i've just got to be respectful to what went before while standing up for what he believed in which was doing what you do um you know, you're putting your own stamp on stuff, which is what he's done for the last 40 years, and trying to be a, an extension of that. That's that's the task that I've been given. That's the duty that I have to fulfil in Priest, and it's a responsibility to to push forward while respecting what went before. So that's the way I look at it, really. I don't see it as living in anyone's shadow. I just mm. see it as a, a, an opportunity to kind of uphold that legacy. Mm. Have the two of you ever spoken? No, we haven't, actually, no. But um, no doubt we will in you know sometime in the future. I mean, maybe I'd, I'd like to sit down and not talk about band stuff. I mean, yeah, you know, the guys in the band, we sit down and talk about other things at the moment, you know, not necessarily band related. And I'd like to, you know, go out fishing with him or just talk about, you know, bikes or cars or anything, really. But uh, I'm sure, you know, you never know what's going to happen, but um, hopefully sometime in the future. Yeah. Yeah, that would be that. I'd be a fly on the wall for that conversation. That'd be interesting. 
I'd yeah, be interested. Totally would. I, you know, again, I'm really respectful of Ken, and I, you know, we're all musicians, and it will be interesting to meet him and find his views on things. And as I said, not necessarily the band things, but just views on life. I get on really well with the other guys with their views on life and their interests, and it will be interesting to see what his interest and uh, his outlook on things are. And he, again, he's a hero. All these guys are my heroes, and he's one of them. He's one of the guys that I grew up on. Um, so yeah, it would be great. It would be like talking to a, a buddy. It's like you've known him your whole life almost. Do you know what I mean? Like, like all you've, all, like even I don't know, Stephen Tyler or James Hetfield or people like this, you've grown up with. And it's almost like you've been with them all your life, but you've never actually met them. So it would be great to sit down and, and talk to him, definitely. I well, wonder if he's uh, got a good-looking single daughter. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, that, that would be a bit of a hot potato, wouldn't it? But, uh, <laughs> you want to talk about an <laughs> odd Christmas dinner. <laughs> yeah, that, that would be kind of awkward, wouldn't it? Yeah. But, uh, no, well, but, I yeah. mean, you also got to feel like you kind of... Uh, music obviously speaks to somebody's personality, speaks to... Uh, what they what they've got on the inside. So I mean, playing his music also has got gives you some sort of feeling for who the guy is as well, too, right? Absolutely. I mean, you you as soon as you step up there, the first show that you do with Priest, I mean, you understand the responsibility that you have anyway as a as a defender of the faith to get up there and represent that whole metal ethos. But once you get up there and you play the first note, you see the fans in front of you. You it just takes on another. It's just a bigger, condensed feeling, you know, and it's just a sense of responsibility and respect, as I said, for what went before and for yourself. You, he had to forge new paths, and I'm in that position now, and you've got to do the same thing as he would or anyone would want you to do coming from that scenario, you know. So it's just a, a great sense of duty and uh, a good challenge. I would imagine, uh, I mean, so you've been with these guys for, what, almost three years now or more? Yeah, 2011, I joined. So almost, um, almost four years. Yeah. yeah, almost four years. So, so going back in time a little bit. I mean, I imagine when they offer you the gig, your question isn't, "Well, how much does it pay?" Your question is, oh, "When can I start?" I mean, every guitarist on earth would take that gig. How in the world do you negotiate for the greatest, one of the greatest gigs on earth? Well, I don't know what the negotiation would be. I mean, I'd do it for nothing. I exactly. Mean, so, it, and, and it was pretty instantaneous as well. It wasn't when are we starting. It had already started. The board already started rolling. I think they had some dates coming in when, when Ken um, put in his res resignation, you know. So they were, they were, the ball was already rolling. As soon as I joined the band um, and as soon as we got the green light, as I said, I, I went up and went over some stuff with Glenn. I then got fitted for the leather and studs and went down to Ray Brown, the designer studio in London, and got the superhero costume fitted up and... You know, and then we went out to we done we got offered to do the American Idol thing, the the James Durban um, American oh, Idol yeah, yeah. final we we got offered to do. So we, we we started rehearsals, we went out to LA, we came back and done some more rehearsals, and then we started a, the tour in Europe in 2011. So it was very much like I didn't have to ask when we start; it had already started, and the board just started rolling, and it was just great to see that machine work so efficiently. You know, you're in bands before and you're growing up, and it, you don't know the difference at the time, but when you see a, a machine like Priest and the production and the management and the band working together in harmony in the way it should do, it's a great thing to be a part of. And again, a great education in, uh, in how to do things and how things should work. Do you get your own manager for that negotiation at all? I, I didn't need one. I didn't need one. It's, as I said, it was, uh, it was pretty simple. 
Uh, I mean, we're not going to go into the specifics, but as I said, it was an old school band. You're in the band. You're in the band, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and we just went from there. And what a great attitude to have, you know. So you don't have like a, a retirement plan, health insurance, four hundred one k. Yeah, four hundred one k. I don't know if they have that in the UK. Well, I've got, about, I've UK? got a few guitars now, which are probably going to be my retirement plan. <laughs> you know what I mean? Over the last few years, I picked up a few uh, a few beauties. You know, so um, but you know, I'm not really thinking. I'm not planning on retiring uh, anytime soon. So. Uh, yeah, well, absolutely, but I guess I, I, what I'm figuring is like, you know, do you call up like, you know, that the dude who's now playing drums in Sabbath and go, well, how much are they paying? You know, that sort of thing. Is no, there like a, a union of guys, you know, who get these cool gigs? As I said, man, I'd have done it for nothing. It's, yeah. it's never about the money. I mean, people, it's a cliche thing, but if people gave anyone, if Priest gave anyone the gig and you're not going to get paid for it, I don't know anyone that wouldn't do it. Right, but yeah. you're not living in Rob Halford's guest house or anything. No, no. It, funny enough, before I joined Priest, I was living in Steve Harris's garage. Is that right? Him, so, uh, <laughs> you know, that, that's, that's quite funny. But um, <laughs> it's so cool. <laughs> but we, you know, I don't. You know, I, I live all over the place at the moment. My girlfriend she lives in Philly. I've got a place down in Barbados. Got one in Florida. But we're working all the time. You know, over the last couple of years, we have, we've been off the road. But we've been promoting, we've been writing, there's been DVD releases, so record company stuff out in New York. So, you know, I'm, I'm all over the place, really. And now we're back on tour, and I'm all over the place again. And I've said it before, it's like a heavy metal vagabond, you know. You just go where the wind takes you. But it's a, it's, it's a good wind, and uh, I hope it keeps blowing for a long time. You were, you were just saying about how impressed you are by, like, the production, right? And it, it just, like, getting dressed up, a whole thing. One of the things that bothers the hell out of me out of a lot of modern bands is this, uh, we just, you know, we come off the street and we get, step up on stage, we play our songs, and we step down, and that's it. Mm. it you know, it, it, someday, you know, or when you get this downtime between priest things do you want to take that kind of showmanship that you've got with judas priest and what you've learned and try to put that into other avenues and other things that you're going to try to do as a musician well i think it's good to be exposed to this kind of thing you definitely it's an eye-opener to see what that kind of production uh what the value of that production is especially for a classic metal band like priest i think there's value to both extremes i think the the um the getting up and playing a show and getting off has its own value. It, it, there's definitely a connect there with the fans. We're one of them. You know what I mean? It's it, like Metallica. It worked for Metallica. They didn't have an image, but their image turned into they didn't. The image was not having an image, and it was getting up. It was almost out of the crowd onto the stage, and there was a definite connect there. So there's a value in that as well. You know, but there's also a value in spectacle. There's a value in production. Um, so I think it's good to see both sides of the equation and then take those lessons forward into whatever you do in the future, definitely. Uh, uh, Richie, what's in your MP3 player right now? What are you spinning? Do you know what? The only thing I've got, in my, I don't listen to a lot of music. Uh, I, I create more than I consume, if that, makes any, if that makes any sense. I think that was a quote from Michael Schenker. I, I, I'm always writing, I'm always coming up with riffs more than I'm listening to stuff. So I've got one, actually I've got two records on my iPhone, one of them's Redeemer of Souls, and the other one's Black Sabbath 13, and that's it. Wow. That's all I, that's all I listen to. And then uh, all the other time, I've got a little recording rig, and I'm coming up with new riffs and new melodies and new guitar lines, because as we've seen, you never know what's going to happen with them. You know, they might end up on an album somewhere, uh, and you might be in your hotel room in Georgia, and you might come up with a great idea that ends up being a, a new 
priest track sometimes in sometime in the future so so those two records that's what i'm listening to the the new record which we're all incredibly proud of and the new record by black sabbath did the girlfriend take the steel panther album off of your iphone <laughs> <laughs> she did actually yeah no, but, um no i mean it's all great i mean it's still panther they're great fun uh it's all tongue-in-cheek and uh it's a blast to see there, there was a bit of um concern you know from from the other half when you they're known for getting girls up on stage and getting their clothes off and this day and the other so there was a bit of concern but, uh-huh. you know, it's all tongue-in-cheek and my girlfriend's a smart girl and she she knows that so uh i don't know yeah. i think i think me and your girlfriend need to debate you on steel panther i think i think that that would be fun that's, that's for another time maybe. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, indeed indeed well we're gonna get a chance to catch you guys uh playing uh, during fun 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 fest coming up here on uh friday i think friday the 7th is when you guys are playing uh here in austin texas so i uh, can't i uh, can't wait to see you guys play live man we can't wait, man. It's a really great bill. It's a varied bill, and that's one of the beautiful things about festivals. You know, it's varied, different fan bases. So we can we can call out to fans that, believe it or not, haven't heard of Judas Priest before, even after what? four years. So we can turn people onto new music, in a sense. And we can also get turned on to new music by seeing other acts that we haven't heard of before. So that's the great thing. I mean, so yeah, we're looking forward to seeing you down there soon. Thanks, Richie. Appreciate it. Thanks for your time, guys. See you later. He's not calling you slack. 
the line right now. We got Rock and Randy. Rock and Randy, what's happening, man? In Decatur, Illinois. Hey, uh, this is uh, Rock and Randy. Um, I'm in a band, and I wanted to know if you guys could like uh, help me promote a gig we got coming up. Um, yeah, I'm in a band called Hitting Yourself in the Testicles with a Hammer. And um, we're playing a high school battle of bands in Decatur, Illinois. Uh, it's over the William J. Colley uh, High School. And it's on Friday night, next Friday. Um, and I want to know if you guys could, like, kind of give us a shout-out or whatever. Um, that's a little weird. I mean, I mean I'm, I'm 52 years old. Uh, playing a high school battle of bands is strange. I was, but, you know, the, the, the guys in my band are all younger. Like, they're, like, 15, 16 years old. And so it's cool, man. We do, like, uh, a, lot of, a lot of death metal, uh, black and death gore grind. Um, we got a, uh, we, we do, a, actually a really good, uh, black and death metal cover of, uh, Sweet Home Alabama that we're going to be doing by, uh, Skinnerd. Um, anyway, so yeah, if you could maybe help my band out a little bit, um, and, uh, you know, the kids are really nice. They're, they're good kids and, uh, I'm sort of like a role model to them. Hate us on iTunes. Subscribe to the Metal Sucks Podcast today.
talk about that song real quick because like I didn't get a chance to like talk about it before we played it, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. But that's Ken Nardi. Ken Nardi uh, is like the David Lee Roth of metal. He <laughs> had like the best voice, the best scream ever, and was one of the greatest songwriters of the thrash era. There, to- uh, Anacrusis was like one of those totally underappreciated bands from the 90s. Uh, You've talked about Road them Runner a bunch Records. before, right? I don't think so. I think we well, not, do I mean, we, we, We've talked about them before. Yeah, we've talked about them and before. And you've given me a CD before. Yeah, they're awesome. I I would I'm okay. I, I I think they're just fantastic. <laughs> and so I'm t- I was raving about it and then like uh DX Ferris, who's the author of the uh, Slayer awesome yeah, yeah. Slayer book. And he, MS contributor. Yeah, and Metal Sucks contributor is like, dude, dude, you gotta get in touch with Ken. So. That's right, because you meant you like said it on the podcast yes. once and you guys like were twittering back and forth or whatever. Like, yeah. Yeah. So because so. that's a really random sort of reference right there. So that so so Ken, Ken Nardi is. Uh, I've got, never heard of like before you. I've yeah. never heard of Anacrusis. Like that That's was crazy. never on my radar. So crazy. But yeah. So Ken uh, Ken Nardi's got a, a album coming out. It's a double album. Uh, I think it's next week, and that's the exclusive uh, track two, Fragile. Uh, so we got an exclusive, man. All we, right. Kick butt. And so yeah, okay, yeah, I'm glad you remembered his name. Hell yeah. <laughs> Good times, man. On the metal side, one of the best songwriters in the history of metal music ever. Mm, all right. I, I I dug the song. I thought I thought it was pretty decent there. Kick ass. And we got the Howard call, right? Huh? What? Oh, speak pipe. Yes. <laughs> if you if you get a message, you want to talk to us or leave something for us, man. Um, at the bottom of every post on Monday on MetalSucks.net, we uh, have a little link to leave a message, a voice message, and uh, that may be where you might have heard Rockin' Randy from earlier in the show. Uh, yes. You can leave all kinds of stuff uh, for us on there including uh, topic starters. Hi guys, it's your old mate Howard H. Smith from Talking Bollocks. So this this thing's been rolling around in my head for some time now, okay? I was just thinking how much live performances have changed over the last 20 years. It's it's incredible. I mean, um, you think about it, like no smoking, uh, stage diving pretty much gone, uh, pits, yeah, not what they used to be. Everybody recording it. I mean, you know, 20 years ago, there was home taping. You you must not tape these shows. Now, everybody just accepts it. Hey, remember when you could get to the front of a festival without some fucking gold-plated bangle that cost you like 150 quid slash dollars? Yeah, I mean, so much has changed. Now, Godless mentioned a few episodes ago about, you know, maybe one day there'll be a drummer. Sorry, there'll be a metal band without a drummer. I don't don't think that's the case. Um, I, I think it's probably more likely... Mine is a bass player. Hey, right at you, Godless. Only joking. Seriously, um, I want to know what what changes you think will happen in the, over the next twenty years to live performances. Will it just be streamed? Will there be no one there? Will there be a few guys there streaming it for their friends on their phones? What's going to happen? There is absolutely no substitute for a live show. No matter what there is, the, there, there's no way in hell that you can get get me to believe that you can stop going to live shows like, i just found ever. out that not fest was streaming and if i had known that man i heard from a lot of people that they watch the stream and i get that okay you know like but i don't i don't get it dude. metal like, injection had a great uh it wasn't a live stream but it was recordings from a bunch of bands that played at uh, i forget what it was uh one of the, the european festivals a few weeks ago mm-hmm. and it was great watching all this the emperor carcass you oh, know was it was it Valken? it might have been Valken, Valken. yeah but it was it, and those videos are still awesome to watch i yeah, love watching those see, i'm not a i'm not a video guy like i don't even watch live dvds 
That's I, it's shame. just never been my thing, man. Like I watch Flight Six Six Six, but for uh-huh. the documentary, not for the live show. And uh-huh. I watched the live show once, but that's all I need. I want to go see them live. I spin that I'll live wa- disc I'll, over and over and over again. The documentary, and I will I'll watch, watch a show all day long. Yeah, but not on not on TV. Nah, there's see, no point. I'm still feeling like my back is still sore from that damn Mastodon show. That's right? the point, though. No, it's that's not. the whole Two point. Two weeks later, I'm like, but that's oh. the whole point. It's the experience of it. It's getting there, and I get that it's different than it used to be. There's no smoking. There's cameras everywhere, and that shit pisses me off. You know, I want to be able to smoke my cigarettes, and I want to be able to get slap phones out of people's freaking hands or whatever. And it's a little bit pussified here and there, but I think you can make you get what you make out of it. You know, I, I think that, you know, like live show the. The bar that a band needs to hit to give you chills is much lower than the bar that needs to be hit from a DVD to give you chills. <laughs> totally agree, right? Yeah. But yeah. I've gotten chills from DVD, live DVDs bunches of times. Yeah. But th- th- you know what? Like but that's going- porn, though. That's not. That's, that has nothing to do with live music. <laughs> but I'm saying, like the 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 live shows, more often than not, the bands are boring as shit and so therefore i don't walk away with like one of those like memories that i'm always gonna want to retain i'm never gonna have i'm not never but i mean it's rare that i get like that i mean as great as cavaller tack were as great as gojiro were the other night i'm not gonna remember those performances i can guarantee you i I am like that that see and i'm the reverse of that i am i'm gonna remember that stuff you know, I'm going to remember when Cavalertech came out with the owl on his head and the crowd was like, what the hell are we watching? Because uh-huh. it was a Mastodon crowd and had no idea what they were getting into getting there that early. Yeah. You know, I find that really entertaining. Yeah. And, and Gojira talking about the time that they were playing on that stage last time with Lamb of God. I was there. I was at that show. I hung out with those. I was able to hang yeah. out with those dudes for the first time after that show. You know, like I remember those things, but I remember that about that particular show. See, I guess like Gojira, I re- you know, I, I'll the first time I saw them, awesome show. I barely remember a thing. The second time I saw them uh, was uh, uh, Fun 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 Fest. Awesome show. That I'll always remember, right? Totally. And they didn't even do a full set. It was just awesome. But, you know, they're not doing anything that's going to blow my mind. Guar last week, I will always remember that show. Yeah. Always, but remember. you would not get that out of a DVD. Like, and I and I've watched the I've watched videos of their performances of that set just to see because I was going back to listen to the people who died song yeah. just to see yeah, who was the, on that. I think uh, was the AV clubs got that. Video yeah, well, too. that's on the AV club. But I was yeah. watching a performance that they did like somewhere else, mm-hmm. and you know, but that's that's it. Like, but it doesn't have that feel to well, it. But if the, I you see, know? you know, if they put out the Gore Eternal DVD, well, and like I would expect they probably Ken, are. I'm, but, I'd love to pick but that like up. You said about Ken Mode is the same thing. You're like, boom, check this out. This is a lot. It's different. This that time. was awesome. That you was know, totally and, awesome. But that's the thing is like you would not have known that if you were not at that show. Absolutely. And the point is, is to go and absorb it. You know, whether the idea, like like Howard mentioned about you know getting no more drummers or no more bass players or whatever. You know, yeah, I mean, well, that's half the way. It's not. It's. Still, you still have to be there. You still have to experience it. And I know that if things have been attempted with uh, what obituary tried to do the thing where they they did the virtual tour thing. Yeah. So they wanted to play like two gigs in. I'd there love to hear how that Tampa went. I, I've and did the pay per view kind of thing or whatever. Yeah. You know, that's okay. But I think that, and I know a lot of people that watch the the Notfest stuff. Like the, I know a lot of people that watch that because I saw them on Facebook. Because some people couldn't afford to go to house course, some people couldn't afford to go to Notfest, so they stayed at home and watched Notfest on the internet. And I think that's a, I, I don't know, I think we're just sucking the life out of the live show, and it's the last place 
where any band can make any money. And if you suck that out, if you suck the life out of that, we are not going to have music anymore. But it's going to be all like computerized bullshit that is made in an office somewhere, and we're never. It's never going to be. The, you're sucking the art out. But of the it. bands are sucking the life out of it. I can't tell you how many times I go to a show and they just there's no show. But that's a judgment call. That's the whole thing. Is that you? You see a band. And they suck live. You don't have to go back and see them live, right? But I got to go see everybody once, and there's a million bands, and that but that's takes, the whole point. That's, that's no. the fun of it. It's like the it's like the notches on the bedpost. I want to see how many I can see. But if the, if it comes, that's back, why I love South by Southwest because it's like, dude, there's like 500 bands. I'm going to see as many as exactly. I can. Exactly. How much are those bands that. getting paid? Well, so but I'm that's saying the, that like if five percent of the bands are any good. Well, freaking just tell me who those 5% are. <laughs> you know what? Why am I wasting my time 95% of the time? Well, I even got that much time. Yeah, but I mean, you have to judge it for yourself, man. I mean, I know people that think Guar sucks. They have no idea what it's about. They've never been to a Guar show. They've never experienced. They have no idea. You know, I, I did, when Dave Brocky passed I did, on my terrestrial radio show, I did three hours worth, and I got so few calls about that. You know, when, when Dio passed and when uh, Hanneman died, boom, phones were lighting up. People yep. were going nuts about it. But Guar, no. No. Hmm. It was weird. It was strange. But the people that are, that are in, that know, that are part of it, it's just bound to you, you know? And you don't get that unless you go to that live show. And you may not feel the same way when it's just whatever deaf heaven standing there staring at their shoes or whatever. But how can you say that that's like the Atlas Moth the other night when we watched them? You know, awesome. it's the same, what, but what did they do that was different? That was amazing on stage. Smoke machine, couple blue lights. <laughs> I'm smoke, done. Smoke machine and the lasers. I'm, you, I'm a you're, sucker for you're that. You're a fucking cat, is what you are. <laughs> yeah, <I'm> a, <laughs> that's all I need, there's man. Just little laser beams but, but, everywhere. But at least there's effort put into it. You know what I mean? That's what I. But I thought they were amazing. But I didn't. Try. I didn't. They could be under a, a red spotlight and play that way. And it was great because it, it, because the music was amazing. Yes, but I'm telling you, they're the exception that proves the rule. Uh, they're they're doing something that's unique uh, and completely awesome. I well, and we're getting a little granular as far as like band yeah, you band can't to just band pull one band. But I'm just saying that I think that I think that you the judgment call is going to see it going to see it in live and watching it be. I just hear performed. I hear all these people going, oh, you know, they, they use the computers for their sounds and I don't like it. It's not real. And it, I don't care. Just make sure it's awesome. You can use as many computers as you want. You can roll in a bunch of like hard drives in place of your marshals. If it's awesome, I'm there. So you saw Author and Punisher. Okay. <laughs> no, I, I, I skipped that one too. I went and saw a movie and I don't know. Well, I, I think heard it's, of DJ. Uh, is that the same thing? No. Well, not quite. Like Author and Punisher is like, it's it's devastating like yeah. it's yeah it, it hurts your bowels yeah like, really like really it's painful yeah i'll take that but, movie but it's good like yeah. it's it's really awesome the guy makes his own instruments but the thing is i think that i don't know i, I don't think you can do away you're never going to be able to do away with a live show and i never want it to go away personally but mm-hmm. i mean i know that i'm uh, old guard or whatever and you know uh, eh, eh. i think there's an awesome opportunity you know you talk about people who watch the not fest stream right so like you know you get a thousand people who paid a hundred bucks each you got a hundred k but when you've got a million people who will pay one buck now you've got 10 times the money you know what i mean that's that's interesting 
Not to mention that you don't need to produce a huge festival out in the field. You can just go into a, your studio and do something, and people tune in to watch it. That could be awesome. But I think it's part. Of, but I think we're also looking at something that 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 like we talked about on that episode with Vince is that I think the content it's it's got to be free. I don't think you're ever going to be able to monetize that. I don't think, I, I think like a stream like that, I think you could try, could try. and I think you'll get something out of it. I'm curious to see if obituary were successful. But I, I still never, but heard what it. I'm saying is, I, is that I don't think that that is a, that's a viable business model because I think that there's so much content online because what will happen is, is they'll stream it. Somebody will capture it. Somebody will repost it for free and it'll be torrent and you're gone and it's and it's out. So, I mean, if you really want to get it, you can still get it for free. So what's, I, I, I still think that's going to be, don't you think if they're like, going to work around it? What, what do you think if like, like Guar, you know, they got their Guar eternal story, right? And then mm-hmm. when the tour is over and eternal is over, they're going to have to have a new story. Well, what if they had one performance of that new story, just one, and they stream it live online. It's pay-per-view I think people would tune in for it if they know this is the only time they're going to get a chance to see it next to the torrents and all that sort of thing. But there's I'm something special ca- about being live and happening in the moment. And then after that, then there's another story. And you need to see that one live performance to get what this next you know, so storyline means. You, you just know? said there's something special about it being live. In the moment. In the moment. And that moment is in the room with that band. It's I, not online great. and watching it on a screen. I, I agree. It's completely different. It's visceral. It's something that you cannot... It, it's it's all of it. It's the, it's the sights, the sounds, the smells, the everything. If you're squeezing utter juice on me, yeah, I'm not going to get that. <laughs> through. Well, I want to know that that fucking dude that's 300 pounds in the in, in the freaking denim jacket that's standing next to me smells like onions because he hasn't showered in three days. That's part of the experience, man. It, yeah, it really but, is. It's part of the experience. But too many times the bands don't. They're not seeing what they're doing from the audience's perspective. Mm. You know, if I'm a band, I'm I can gonna agree take, with that. I'm going to take one show where I'm going to let everybody, everybody else can play. I'm going to stand in the crowd and try to figure out what this is like because I want to know. But what makes a good show? It, it's a whole bunch of different things. There's not like any formula. It could be anything. But if you're just like the last band that got off and just like the band that's about to go on, well, then I'm never going to remember you. Okay, and so, I couldn't Ken care. Mode, uh, so Ken Mode at Housecore. Yes. There is nothing different about that band than anything else that, that, that happened on that stage. No, they the, didn't do anything no, differently. No, the, there, there was. Other For, than the bass player was just jamming the fuck out. But he other was, than that. but dude, uh, the singer of Ken Mode has got more passion and what he's doing, that dude looked like he was going to rip somebody's head off. And he believed every moment of that concert. I was sucked into it him. It looked like he was singing. Not, dude, he, you were not paying attention. That guy looked like he was, I mean, he looked like in, in visceral pain. And it was amazing to watch. I was watching like every move on his face. He just had he, he just he had to do somebody's taxes because he believed I mean, in what he was doing. Know. How many times have I seen a band that grew up there and they're like, "This is the song," and it doesn't matter. This guy believed in every moment, and that was. I mean, the drummer. So is, you're telling me that's enough? I'm saying it can be enough. I'm not saying it is enough. I'm saying it can be. Mm. Too many times bands go up there and they're not, they don't, they, they don't believe what they're doing. They don't buy what they're selling. They're not, they have, yeah. Yeah. 
No, okay. they think that playing their songs just like they sound on the album. Well, I just want to make sure that you're not say. trying to say that. Okay, we you need explosions and pyrotechnics and all this other shit just to make all. a good show. No, you just gotta you, because I think that has nothing to do with it. Yeah, you gotta. You, you know, I, when you compare Guar to somebody else or something like that, then that that's an unfair comparison because they have so many tools in their in their woodshed that that they it's hard to even get close to it. Right. You know, but you I want to know what makes. What what you think makes a good show out of that? It can be a million things. Because to me, it's all, all about the music. If you make that music good, and I'm I'm feeling the music, whatever it is, you can stand there and look at your shoes all night. I could give a shit if if I think it's awesome. I'll you know, just, I mean, I stay I, home. I've watched, my MP3s. I don't know how many I don't know how many Wolves in the Throne Room shows I've seen, but I've never seen the band. I've been to every uh, every show that they played in Austin, Texas, but I've never actually seen the band because there's no lights on when mm-hmm. they're playing. So is it a great show it's an amazing show hmm. it's i mean other than this weird smell they do like a fog thing that's got this funky i don't know it's got i don't know what i don't know what it is it's weird it's got like a certain like scent three day onions that, well no it's like i don't know it's a it's something that gets in my nose that like i'm allergic to or something so it like ah. really jacks with my uh, uh, yeah. but, you know it's part of it you know so i <laughs> what mean a sales job you're doing <laughs> well, well i love them i own all their vinyl like i mean they're they're one of my favorite bands but it's it's such a weird experience to not actually see the band, uh, but it's it's a great performance. So I mean, it can be a million things. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, if you stand up there and so you do your thing, but you know what, you can't really figure that out unless you're at the show. As long as I'm telling you, as I mean, you're unless you're in the as, audience as, and you're there, you can't lo- figure it out. As long as I can go in with a certain amount, it's not about truth. It's about probabilities, right? If the probability says that, yes, my dollar is going to be worth it, then I'm going to spend my dollar. But if I keep on spending my dollars and I don't get any value for it, I don't care who's coming to town. Eventually, I'm just going to go, you know what? I'm done. I'm not doing it anymore. See, that kind of... I, I, yeah. That that kind of balance is, is, is I don't feel like it balances out that way. It, to me, it's like a whole other thing in the cosmos, man. It's all about the art of it, man. You go and everything, every screw the art, every it's about little the entertainment. Piece, I want to put the money out there because it, it could be a completely different experience, man. I want to put it all on the table every time I go to a show. Let's throw this out there and see what happens. Yeah. it could be it could be amazing because if I didn't do that, the I saw you know Mastodon do a show that was awful. They were awful. Because basically because the sound guy they had decided to take over for the festival sound guy and didn't know what he was doing on the board and just ruined, like blew it all up. And it was awful. Like I left had 30 minutes into the set. I was done. And if I would have been like, you know, I'm not, that's not worth my dollar anymore. I would totally have missed out on some of the best concerts I've seen ever after that. Absolutely. So, I can't. It, I can't it, say that I, I want to be in there, but in there for a different reason. It's a gamble, but if I'm going to gamble, I want to have an advantage over uh, the house. You can't. You can't. Ha- you can't count the cards all the time. Oh, I always. You can't count I the always, cards all the time. You always. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to know. Otherwise, that. I'm not going to play. See, and that's not. That's not the way I play. I, I the, throw it out there, man. But the thing is that there's a million other things that people can be doing. Well, no, that I agree would be with that. entertaining. Yeah, no, I and totally agree with that. if your odds are better that something else is going to be entertaining, you'll do it. Oh, don't you get me wrong. You may miss out on something over here, but you know what? You're going to get a guarantee over here. You'll take the guarantee. No, I won't. That's the, like, I can go and play video games for, for however long. I could play them for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours on end. Yeah. But at the same time, 
I prefer to pull myself out and go see shows. If you go and you are entertained more often than you're not, that's a good investment. I'm saying more often than not, I'm not entertained. I'm Uh, bored senseless. But sometimes band, you know, sometimes it's just the fact that I'm passionate about the band. Mm. They're not doing anything. They're not, they're not. And it's just the band is awesome and I love them and, you know, but I've seen bands that I completely adore and they sucked and I go back and I try again and they sucked. And, uh, you know, I only give you two chances after that. I'm out. I just keep going. Yeah, no. I'm a glutton. I'll just yeah, keep going. God, no. Over oh, and over I, got, I only have finite resources and I'm going <laughs> to, I'll apply them somewhere else. It's not like you drink. I mean, come on. It's yeah, not like you're I actually, know. you know, come on, blowing a lot of cash. Yeah, dude, if I, if I, mean, I'm if you're staying, like me, you're buying merch and drinks and I forget you know. who it was. I don't want to name names if I could even remember, but there's a band that was playing, I forget who it was, during House Core. And I'm standing there going, I think I'd rather be doing push ups. <laughs> That's. That's how much they sucked. Oh, I remember who it was. <laughs> That's how much they sucked. It's like, God damn it. You I remember know? you said it to me, and I was like, dude, these guys are fucking on it. I was all about it. I don't remember who it was, but yeah. Do you want to name names? No, it's okay. If you if you don't want to name names, it's I'll all name good. names because I don't care. I actually like the performance all right. because I thought who it was, was it? it was King Parrot. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's entertaining because his butt's hanging out, but... It's entertaining like, because I've never seen anything like it. But the after like just three songs, screams. I'm kind of done. Yeah, no, see, I was totally in, man. I love, I love the whole shtick that they had going on about the uh, sexy fat guys, uh, and the and yeah, I loved it. I thought it was great. Those guys were off the hook, man. I, I loved it for like ten minutes, <laughs> and and, uh, and then it was over. And that was like four songs. Yeah. So, hey, yeah. But, but the nice thing about House Court is it's like uh, I'm gonna go see a movie. <laughs> See, well, that's a festival situation. Yeah. That's a whole different thing. That's a lot of bang for your buck you in one betcha. spot. And that goes for almost anything. So. Yeah. All right. We got to wrap this thing up, man. Make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes. You can uh, find it. Just search Metal Sucks Podcast and you will uh, find dig it up there. Uh, all those awesome five-star ratings. You can leave us one. Tell us how terrible we are. That's uh, that's one way Comments, you can do. Lots of keywords. And uh, yeah, make sure you maximize the SEO porn. <laughs> Use the word porn, porn. repeatedly because yeah. that seems to be working well for us. Uh, <laughs> and also leave us a message on SpeakPipe. Me and never know. We might uh, talk about it. And, and if you can come up with a topic that has something to do with metal and porn, please <laughs> totally put into it on SpeakPipe. Uh, yeah, yeah. We'll see what we can do. Uh, <laughs> I, I love porn. I really do. <laughs> if you follow me on Twitter, you can find out how much. Actually, at Bearded Ape, I'm at Godless Speak. My stream has got a lot of tits in it. I'll tell you that right now. So, yeah. I mean, I don't retweet them a lot, but but they're. There, I follow a lot. Maybe that's what you need. You need yeah. like a uh, metal dudette and metal dude of the day. You know, so that way it's equal opportunity. Yeah, right. You know, but I follow both genders. Yeah, I mean, you know, ne- there's, there's, there's. Never mind. I, I don't want to get into it. It's, it's just <laughs> you follow some male porn stars on Twitter? Sure. Yeah. So. Well, that's a topic unto itself. <laughs> All right, for a whole nother podcast <laughs> is what it is. All right, we gotta we gotta wrap this thing up, man. And uh, once again, thanks to uh, Richie Faulkner for being our guest this week. And uh, and rest in peace, Corey Mitchell, man. You will be missed, brother. 